I know we hear a gospel reading like that you just heard, and we're not really sure we know what to do with it. Uh, we are in the 13th chapter of Mark's gospel. We're, we're near the end of the gospel. Jesus has taken His closest disciples outside of the city of Jerusalem just before His crucifixion out on the Mount of Olives. You can look there to the west and see the temple just below them. And Jesus shares this apocalyptic vision. He speaks, if you read the whole chapter, of, of coming wars and famines and earthquakes, persecution, division, apostasy, all the features of cataclysmic end times that you will come across elsewhere in Scripture. Um, I don't think we should feel embarrassed if you want to take this literally. I do. But Jesus also speaks figuratively. Jesus said, in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Beware, keep alert. So again, I think we have a hard time knowing exactly what to do with um, Jesus saying things like that. We prefer it when Jesus is more gladdening, less foreboding. So today we begin again a new Christian year in, in our tradition. This is the first Sunday of Advent, a, a marked change in the liturgical seasons. Uh, this past week, I went back and looked at all my previous sermons I have preached here at St. George's through the years on the first Sunday of Advent, all of them. And I um, noticed two things. The first is this. I need to apologize to you all for my annual snarky comments about how early people start decorating and shopping for Christmas. Snark is not the gospel. Uh, it hasn't made a lick of difference anyway. That might have been snarky right there, actually. The second thing I have noticed in all these sermons is that I have simply wanted for myself and wanted for all of us to live fully, to live fully into the season of Advent, which is, after all, not the Christmas season. So in the past, we have named um, the crass commercialization of the holiday season, the ceaseless over-busyness that can entrap all of us, the relentless pressure for perfection in entertaining or decorating or whatever, and for some, for some, very powerfully, the return of sorrows and sadnesses this time of year uh, wrought by past losses. All of those things can be impediments to living Advent well, which is again about returning with our primary attention and our focus and our gaze, our ultimate hopes to the kingdom of God. What does it mean, however, to be alert, to be awake to the kingdom of God? I like to think that the first Sunday of Advent, the first day in a new Christian year arrives like a, a free gift to begin again, uh, not only wrestling with that question, but begin again 
um, rededication to our spiritual lives with Christ. Yet the opportunity offered by this Advent is different. It is almost cliche by now to say that the year 2020 has been a bad year. Of course, of course it's been a bad year, a very bad year in ways that many of us, most of us, have never experienced before. And we've, we've been praying, have we not? God help us. So the question here today is the following. How might this particular Advent be different for you and for me given this particular year? And I'm not just asking about how you might prepare for Christmas differently. I think I'm asking about a different way of looking at our lives in light of this year from the perspective of Jesus, from the perspective of the kingdom of God. And to do that, we return to Scripture. We return to what the Scriptures say about who Jesus is. As you may know, um, uh, when we start a new Christian year in our tradition, um, in our worship services, we will begin listening to a different gospel than we have in the previous uh, two years. Uh, so today, we hear from the gospel according to Mark, and we'll be listening to readings from Mark on Sundays for most, most of the Sundays in the next 12 months. And quite a lot of us, quite a lot of us here at St. George's have been studying the gospel according to Mark in our small groups this fall. Um, characteristic of the gospel according to Mark is that his storytelling style is spare, it's straightforward, it's very fast-paced. So it is interesting to me, I think it's noteworthy, that Mark seems to want to linger longer in the 13th chapter that we hear today, a portion of which we hear today. Uh, he wants to, to, to dwell on these words of Jesus, words that are filled with foreboding warnings, descriptions of calamitous events, the end of the age. And I think the reason is because Mark would have us know this, what he's saying here, this is really important. No one enjoys dwelling over darksome predictions of disaster and destruction in the future, but Mark is forcing us to pay attention here. I think this is a part of the gospel we would like to skip over, and very often we do, but we're not going to. Mark won't let us. So if we listen closely um, to these words, we hear in Jesus' uh, description today numerous echoes, uh, metaphors, and images from the Hebrew Scriptures. I'm only going to mention two of them. He says that his followers will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And in the Bible, clouds are images of God's presence. His followers will see God's presence coming into their midst. Secondly, Jesus says, pay attention to the fig tree. Someone said that to you walking down the sidewalk. He said, that, that's a really odd thing to share. But the fig tree is a potent scriptural symbol of God's covenant relationship with Israel, a relationship that is meant to, to bring fruitfulness, to bring protection, the shade of a fig tree, if you will. So when things fall apart, and we should know what that's like, pay attention, be awake, 
to the presence of God coming into the midst of that. Be alert to what God's covenant faithfulness, His enduring commitment to this relationship with you, what that looks like. Watch for it. See what it's like. And I note, too, that the passage we hear from Mark today is paired with another passage from the very end of the book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, he likes to turn up in Advent every year. And I don't have time to go off on a tangent and and talk about that passage in detail. But I do think this is important. Some of you who are familiar with the book of Isaiah know it's a very long book. It covers a long span of history in Israel, beginning in the 7th century B.C., all the way through the 6th century B.C. Scholars often will um, kind of divide it up um, into thirds. The first third is addressed to the people who are risking um, going into Babylon, into, into exile, if they don't shape up. The middle third uh, is addressed to people who have had that happen, who are in exile in Babylon. And the last bit of it is, we think, addressed to the Israelites who have been released from their exile in Babylon in the 6th century, and they've come back to Jerusalem, and they've begun to rebuild, remake their lives. They, they have returned. But what's happened is that they, they idealized what that return would be like, because it's not a return to normal in the sense that they had hoped. It's just a return to the normal that they already had before. After all they had been through, after their exile, after their prayers and yearnings to be released and to return, it's all happened, and what they discover is that they are just as beset by their sins and problems and injustices and enemies as ever before. They are like a broken pot, Isaiah is saying, that cannot repair itself. They need the original potter to come again. And it is this point in Israel's history that there emerges this this eager sort of disposition as never before to look beyond their own personal and collective fallenness, to look beyond the vicissitudes of history to a day when God would enter into the world anew once for all with power, with glory. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake in your presence, the prophet says today. And so all of that is the kind of language that Jesus is taking up and claiming for himself in Mark's gospel. And this kind of language is, 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 is not the cry of a return to normal. It is a cry for God an expectation indeed for God to come in new and unexpected and dramatic and powerful ways. So the year 2020 has been a very, very bad year. It's been a bad year for the world. It's been a bad year for our culture. It's been a bad year for many of us in very deeply personal ways. And I stand here as your brother in Christ to say to you, do not merely yearn for a return to normal. Place your hopes in something more than a return to mask-free living. Place your affections in something more than same-day shopping for the holiday season. Place your gratitude in more than the miracle of virtual meetings, how well the stock market is doing. And even in a successful vaccine, 
as important and as good as those things are. These passages from the Bible we hear today on this first Sunday of Advent are called apocalyptic. And that word apocalyptic, apocalypse, is often misunderstood when we think it means sort of predictions of the future. But an apocalypse means an unveiling. It's like a lifting of the lid on the present. It's a lifting of the lid on what's really, really, really going on in your life and in my life, our actual situation. And I think what we've discovered about our actual situation this year, maybe again more than any year in our lifetimes, is that we desperately need God. You know, we, thought we, had, we thought we had the good life. We had, we had things figured out. We were making progress. We had a lot of wrongs righted, a lot of problems solved, a lot of our needs, all the most important needs, the desires of our hearts were largely satisfied, and the answer is no, not by a long shot. We need God. The year 2020 should have brought us, at least it should have brought the church to her knees. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. I hope that's happening. I'm, I'm not sure that has happened. And I think in churches where it's not really happened, they will live to regret a wasted year. I'm not sure it's happened in as many people as perhaps God would like. And so too many of us think that the goal right now is just to continue to wait it out. It's taken a long time, longer than we thought, but we just hang in there, hunker down. We can get back to the way things were. We can resume, pick things back up. I don't think so. I think we are living at the end of an era, and the road ahead could be bumpy for quite a while. And no one wants to hear talk like that, I know, any more than one wants to linger long in Mark chapter 13. But what if the message from Jesus and the message from heaven is this? You don't have to go back to your pre-2020 life. You don't have to do that. Not that it was bad. There's just, there's more. And, and now we appreciate that more than ever. In what ways has this year prepared you for that? In what ways might you step into the new year more alert, more watchful to a, a future that God promises is closer and closer with each passing day. So what if I told you that your ultimate destiny is more defined by that future of God's coming towards you day by day? It's more defined by that than it is defined by your past and by your present. Could we hear that as good news rather than as something fearful. I've said this before, but this year particularly, we're like people who are living in a severe drought. It hadn't rained for weeks and months. Things are dying. And one day, we wake up, and we think we hear something in the distance, and we do. We hear the sound of distant thunder. 
And we hear it getting closer and closer and closer until finally we hear the first sounds of water dropping on the leaves. Patter, patter. And we know it's coming. We are living in that time in history. Jesus is not talking about the end of all worlds, but he is talking about the end of our world. And out of the bad things that can happen in this world, and we've experienced a lot, there will come again the Son of Man, bringing with him a new world, a new world preparing to be born. And so we begin again. This is the season. If not now, when? When?